Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. So you were the what number employee at Facebook? Number 30 at Facebook. Why were you fired? I think they made the right decision to fire me. One of the big realizations I've had in the past few years is people need to stop fighting their natural skill. I call it their sweet spot. Uh, And my sweet spot is like starting out. My sweet spot is like getting things going. My sweet spot is promoting products I love. That was the the lesson learned. What I was strong at is not where Facebook needed, and it made sense. But how does the average person know what they're strong at? Because again, they veered away early, and they recognize this. They veered away early, they're kind of unhappy, it's a little hard for them to get out of the bed, they go to work, and they feel this obligation as part of their day. And I wonder how people in general can get back on track. I have two strategies that I found work for me. FreshBooks is a cloud accounting software that helps you tackle your paperwork faster so you can spend more time, crucial time, building momentum in your business. I don't know how they get this. 192 hours worth of time. They must have figured out the math on that. They have really taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level because you don't need to figure it all out with like all your QuickBooks or whatever. You could just go online, figure it out. To get started with a 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com forward slash James and put the James Altucher Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Finding great talent can be tough. Thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 job sites with just one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Noah Kagan, this is your second visit to the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome aboard. And I just want to remind people of many people probably didn't listen to the first time you were on. It was like almost three years ago, or two and a half years ago. Wow. And you gave me advice at the end of it to um, go to a. We were talking about breaking out of the comfort zone. Totally. And uh, you said um, go 
to the nearest coffee place, whether it's a Starbucks or, or a coffee place, whatever, order a coffee and a muffin. And when they're ringing you up, just say, I would like 10% off. Yeah. And so I went out immediately afterwards and I did that. It's a scary thing. Okay. Cause you're, you're going against the normal social protocol of they, you know, we're not like in a bar bartering economy. Like they ring it up on the cash register and that's like, God says it's this price. <laughs> so, so they're ringing it up at something that's like a Starbucks. And I don't know, it comes to $8.95. And I said, I I'd like 10% off, please. And she sort of looked at me and she said, what? Uh, what? And I said, I would like 10% off. And I didn't give any reason or anything. Yeah. And she goes to her dad, who I guess runs the place. And he's like, what is it? What is it you want? And I said, I would like 10% off. And I didn't give a reason. And he says, well, you know what? We don't, we don't do that. So I'm going to have to say no. But the interesting thing is not getting the 10% off, of course, is, the, yes. is just doing it and not explaining either. Because it's easy if I explain like, oh, I have to do this. It's like a challenge. Totally. Uh, but anyway, I, I wanted to tell you, I wanted to report back That's two so and a half years later. And I still do it, by the way. And you know what? You know what I've noticed now? Now it's easy for me to do it. <laughs> that is the big part. It's huge. Because I, I think what I've noticed from doing challenges, I've added, actually, I have a list of challenges. I've been adding new ones. My therapist thinks I'm avoiding life by just doing all these challenges on the side. But for me, what I've realized is that kind of testing life, it really helps you realize your boundaries and like how much more capacity we have to do things. And a lot of things that seem scary, so like asking for 10% off, eventually it gets easy. Like I have a friend, uh, he got dumped by like the love of his life. And so we were having Korean barbecue last night. And he was like not feeling good about himself and he didn't. his work wasn't really going well. And he's like, all he started doing was going to cafes. And he was like, I just go to a cafe and then I just say hi to one person each time. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I just go to the cafe and any girl that's nearby me, I just have to say hi. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, now I'll talk to any girl. And then he started going to the gym, right? And then he just started pushing himself in new ways at the gym and now his body actually looks good. And so his life has come around. But I think a lot of that is you have to find out what things can you add to your life and then take away from your life that make it better. Kind of uh, in business terms, it'd be like A-B testing your life. Well, and that's something that you can do every day because every day there's, let's say, you know, there's a certain number of thousands of things, little things we do every day. Some things you could certainly add and some things you could certainly subtract. Completely. So so kind of having that awareness also of what's bad, what's good, what's subtractable, what's addable, you know, is important. Building that as a muscle. I think it's building it as a muscle. It's like if you can practice habit building, like brush your teeth twice a day or you add flossing. Like my buddy had a good trick to add the habit of flossing. He's like, he leaves his, his floss in the shower. And he's like, yeah, oh, it's already good. there. So I just do it when it's there. That's how I shave. I shave in, the shower, in the shower, yes, yeah. exactly. I actually have a mirror in the shower because that's why I don't shave before. So I bought this little like tea tree mirror or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, and I do it. So I've been kind of experimenting with like, what habits can I add in that I'll continue doing? Uh, and basically what I think of it overall is like, how do you just focus on the essentials, right? That's what, where I'm starting to really think about life and exploring where, what are the things that actually matter? What are the shoes I always wear? Like my new boots, right? Or I only have a few pairs of shoes now because I realize all these are shoes I never wear. And so I think that goes for your business, for your relationships. Like, which people do you hang out with that you're like, I always have a good time with James. So I make effort to come time to talk with you or hang out with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, or even this is one of the things I've been doing lately. So for everyone who's got this in their earlobes, uh, get your phone out, right? And I've already, I'm like down to the essentials. So I have on my phone, what apps have I not used in six months? And I just delete them. So right now, delete all your apps that you haven't used in six months. And you'd be shocked. You're like, actually, I haven't used that. I haven't used that. And what I've realized though, is that it actually helps me focus on what really matters. And really like, I'm like, oh yeah, I really appreciate these apps. I appreciate these clothes. I appreciate these people even more than the things that were just kind of distracting me. Well, you know, I did something uh, similar about a year ago. Um, 
but in a, in a more macro level, and many of my listeners might already know this, but uh, I had been traveling quite a bit, and I realized I didn't really miss anything that was in my home, mm-hmm. and my rental was coming up, and so I decided not to, my, my lease was coming up, and I decided not to renew, but not to return either. So I had mm. 40 years worth of belongings in my home, and I asked this friend of mine to drive over there, and it actually took her a week of driving back and forth, and I said either keep for yourself, donate, sell, or throw out every single thing in the apartment. Just leave it spotless because I'm never going back and I want to be good to the landlord so she can rent it out again. So I threw out everything I owned and anything I needed, which turned out to be nothing. I've never, I haven't replaced anything. I, I figured I would just buy and I just haven't. You didn't I've miss d- anything? What'd you miss? Well, I, you know, I, I do, I did miss, um, I had a Dr. McCoy doll by my computer and, but I threw out computers, my Dr. McCoy doll. I threw out artwork. I threw out photo albums from when I was a kid. Your uh, old photos? Yeah, I mean, everything. A hundred percent of what you would collect in 40 years from childhood on. Yeah. Trophies from chess tournaments that I had won. Like, everything I had thrown out. So I had nothing. I had three outfits of clothes, a laptop, and a computer, and a Kindle. How did you, like, tell me how you felt about that. Like, I'm, I'm curious, because that, that's to the extreme, because I, I think I've been really noodling on lately. Like, I'm going to die so all these things can't come with me. And then I've been even thinking of further, like what if there's no such thing as a legacy? Like well, what if nothing can continue beyond you? Well, well, I was thinking about the legacy thing exactly because when you die, let's say I die, nobody knows if they're going to die tomorrow or not. So let's say I died, suddenly my kids, I have two kids, it would be their responsibility to clean out like 40 years of my junk. Like why would I give them that responsibility? You know, and yeah, maybe there's some things they can do to remember me, but I'd rather them remember me by the things I've done for them rather than objects I might've had. And, uh, uh, you know, I think I miss some things, but life moves on and, uh, and I enjoy this aspect of my life. The day it happened, I didn't have any place to live and I decided to just do an experiment again and throw myself on the mercy of my friends. So I called up a couple of friends that, and one guy was a, a big hedge fund manager that I had once done a favor for about 10 years earlier. And he said, oh, I'm not at my place. Why don't you just stay there? And so it's funny, my, my oldest daughter, I wrote about this and my oldest daughter, she calls me up and she says, uh, daddy, my, all my friends are telling me you're homeless. You lost so, I, so I said, <laughs> why don't you come and visit me? And so she visits me and this hedge fund manager is like the biggest penthouse in New York. It's a two-story apartment. Yeah. She's like climbing up the ladder to the bookcase. And she's like, you're definitely not homeless. I only lived there a few months and now I live from Airbnb to Airbnb. But how does this, I, I guess what, what I started thinking about is like, how does this relate to the person in Ohio who's working a desk job? Right, like, what's the life lesson that they can take away? So, the the way I was starting to think about it is like, I did a week of nothing, right? So I I was like, because I talked to this waitress today, and I was like, she's like, oh yeah, it's, uh, not the waitress, the proctologist nurse today. She's like, oh yeah, it's Wednesday. I can't wait the weekend. I'm like, man, I don't want to hate my week, right? I don't want to have a week that I hate. I'm like, you only get these weeks. This week is only this week once in my life. And so I spent a week doing nothing, right? I had no meetings. I had no one to be around, and I was alone for a week. And then it's kind of like your point where you st- went to zero. And you're like, well, what things do I really matter in my life? What places really matter? What people? What items? And you actually just added back the essentials. So I guess I'm curious your take. I would encourage people to try the nothing week and explore what's actually important. I guess I'm curious your thought, like for someone in Ohio at the desk job that hates it or works at Target or whatever it is, 
what can they do related to that? Because then well, they don't maybe don't have a hedge fund friend, right? Or 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 maybe they own their house or they have kids. You can't if you have kids living with you, you can't just throw out all of their belongings and you know <laughs> yes, you could. Right. Well, now my kids just when they when they're with me and I have them, they stay with me from Airbnb to Airbnb. But in general, like that particular thing, you can't do. But what what happened was is I learned a lot of things. A, I didn't need almost anything. So everybody keeps you know, sheets around, extra sheets around just in case they have a guest over. Yeah. How many times do you actually have a guest stay over per year? Yeah, Almost hardly. never. Most dishes I had never used. Most things were just gathering dust. So so most 90% of the belongings anyway, you don't really need. And they just kind of take up mental space. So if you move, you got to hire moving trucks and you got to think about, you know, all these issues. So, but but there's other things I realized too. Like I've lost weight since then. And the reason is, oh, is because moving from Airbnb to Airbnb, it's not like I buy groceries for the place. I only order delivery. So the interesting thing there is you can't order from a restaurant a bag of Doritos. <laughs> so I no longer have any snacks in my house or wherever I'm staying because I don't go to the grocery store. I just order okay. delivery. I don't I don't snack on anything. Anything in my house, I'm just going to eat all of it. It's all going to end up in my stomach. And if I'm just ordering <laughs> delivery, even if I order, you know, steak and a dessert, it's not as much as eating a bag of Doritos while binging on Netflix. So I've lost like 15 pounds since this happened. And it's just, uh, you know, various kind of weird fringe benefits have happened as a result. Also, I can just pick up and move whenever I want and see how other people live and meet other people and you know I live in Austin this week and next week I'll be back to living in New York so it's just where wherever I am I live I'm I'm home here now yeah I, I was like why don't you get sponsored by Airbnb <laughs> I, I spoke show. I spoke at the Airbnb open though yeah I was like so, you should but I I didn't want to you know I don't I don't have my hand out for anything I just I think the this whole focus on essentials because I've been really adamant about it the past like I don't know maybe six months where it's like which people do I really want right it's it's kind of that's to, the most important decision you could ever make in your life you really think so? Absolutely. If you're in a bad relationship, that's what you do for a living. You're Noah, comma, the guy in a bad relationship. You're not running a uh, you're not running a business. You're not making other friends. You're not learning how to be a better artist or writer or athlete. You're just dealing with this emotional uh, hell that you're in. So so and that and that that I'm talking about a romantic relationship, but it could be a business relationship or a friendship or whatever. Like that's definitely subtract and add every, every day if you can. Well, I think your point is valid for almost all aspects, right? Like if you have the bad personal stuff with relationships, if you have bad work, if you have extra clothes, like all the things that are weighing on you, start having a diet, not just in. I think people think of diet only in health, but can you have a diet in friendships? <laughs> can you yeah. have a diet in, and and I think it's like how do you create the diets that are sustainable? Meaning. How do you say, well, these friends aren't actually making my life better, right? And it sounds kind of harsh, but it's like, well, you only get this life once. So I'd rather go spend time with my buddy Ian, who you just met, or my buddy Adam Gilbert in New York, mybodytutor.com. Like, I love hanging up because every time I hang out with them, I'm always better. I'm always either feeling good about myself or have new ideas. And it's like, well, that's kind of harsh. And I'm like, yeah, it is harsh because I don't have much time available to spend. So I'm going to spend it only with people that matter. And it's the same thing with the work, same thing with dating, same thing with like pretty literally every aspect of life. Well, and there's so much evidence that... Um social interaction with friends that you like is a key to longevity. So uh, Dan Buettner, who works at National Geographic, and he wrote this book called The Blue Zones about places where there's a statistically abnormally high number of people who live to the age of 100 or more with high quality of life. There's a one blue, blue zone in the United States, uh, uh, Yorba Linda, California. Um, and he was 
questioning why, because there was a lot of ethnic backgrounds there. It wasn't like one set of genes. Uh, and it turns out it's because it's Seventh-day Adventists and uh, they all kind of bond together on Sundays and go hiking. So they're all socializing and doing physical activity at least once a week. And that's what keeps them alive. That's what why they all live to 100 or more. So, and it's because they're, it's like you said, be around, you know, your friends. Uh, you know, the other thing is, the, the word diet, the way you just use it is interesting. So you think of diet as like calorie restriction. And so obviously that's been linked to longer life as well. But imagine if you have diet and all these other things, it's probably all linked to longer life. We're going to, are we moving to Yorba Linda? <laughs> We're all moving to Yorba Linda. <laughs> I'm a seven day Adventist. What do we do? What's our thing? Do you know? I guess on the seventh day, we, we have an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> invent. I think religion without the religion part would be super cool. Yeah. I, like I've actually really wanted a religion where there's no like dude. And it's just like you actually has community. You guys have time to reflect. You talk about important topics, and like maybe you have like a little buffet table. Right? Don't, like, don't you think like um, so? Okay, actually, I want to reel back. <laughs> Let's introduce <laughs> Noah Kagan. What's up, Jace? So, so you were the what? What number employee at Facebook? Number thirty at Facebook. Number thirty at Facebook. What were you doing? Marketing. Uh, I was the product manager, so I came up with Facebook Mobile. We did Facebook Mobile. We did Facebook Ads, and then Facebook like the status update. So the thing that's like, what the hell are you doing today? And and then you made little to no money from it because you were left fired. or fired. Fired. Why were you fired? Who fired you? Uh, who fired me? Matt Kohler, who's now the general partner at Benchmark Capital. He's Could rich. have been you, but but it's him. It's him. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he fire you? What did you do? I think they they made the right decision to fire me. Uh, I've talked about it a lot. There's a book on Amazon. It's free called uh, Why Like How I Lost All This Money by Noah Kagan. Uh, How I Lost 170 Million Dollars by Noah Kagan. You can find that on Amazon. So I think there's a lot of different reasons. I, I and this is what I've noticed with Sumo.com, our business, uh, and AppSumo.com, the two major products we have. As the company grows, uh, the people that you that are with the company need to grow too. And if they can't, then you have to kind of upgrade your people. And it's kind of like relationships. I'm sure the girls and women, your wife, like. Your first wife, you know, now you can, I don't know, think you can imagine being with her, right? And it's the same with the company at Facebook. They're like, no, it was good when it was like 30 people and it just kind of was scattered. But at 150 people, I was pretty, I was a little bored actually. And mm -hmm. you need to have a bunch of meetings with 30 people and you need to have a lot more spreadsheets. And I think one, one of the big realizations I've had in the past few years, and, and Facebook kind of taught me that lesson is people need to stop fighting their natural skill. They need to stop adding excuses to what they're naturally given, like God-given talent is. I don't know if God gave it to them, but the, the talent that there's, I call it their sweet spot. Uh, and my sweet spot is like starting out. My sweet spot is like getting things going. My sweet spot is promoting products I love. Well, and I, I think, and, well, well, and by the way, just to just to add to that, yeah. uh, with your company, Sumo, that's what you guys do is you you love a product or your company loves a product. And then you have a big list of people who trust your opinion or your, your company's opinion on products and you spread the word. And yeah. kind of there's an ex a transactional exchange along the way, but people trust that's what we do. I mean, we have two products, AppSumo.com, which is a free Groupon for geeks. And then we have Sumo.com, which is the tool, the marketing tools that we've been using and now we give away for free as well. But, but the point with Facebook, and I think for everyone out there, is that uh, I was always feeling guilty and I thought everyone else expected me to stick with something and I have to stick with it. And I've gotten fired now. And then I went to Mint and I was there for a year and then I got, uh, I quit that one. So I'd say I'm one in one. Um, but I realized that like my strength isn't starting, my strength isn't promoting and I've been fighting it. And only in the past, truly I would say maybe... 12 to 6 months, 6 to 12 months, have I said, look, that's what I'm fucking great at. Let me go spend my time doing that and find other people who love doing the other parts that aren't my strong suit. Like find the recruiter who loves to recruit. Find the marketer who wants to do specific content marketing like Sean on our team or Sarah. 
Uh, and then let me go spend my time. Like I have a podcast now, No Kagan Presents, or doing like YouTube videos because I'm having a great fucking time doing it. What the hell? You have a podcast? I haven't been on your podcast yet. <laughs> Dude, that's what we're going to do. We're going to play chess and you're going to do my podcast. All right. All yeah, right. Good. Okay. And um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was the, the lesson learned. It was like what I was strong at is not where Facebook needed. And it made sense. And I think we hold on to those people in companies way too long. And the person, it's better for them and it's better for the company. And life is better for both, but it, it's a hard. It's one of those hard life decisions you have to face. But how do you how do you know what you're how do how does the average person know what they're strong at? Because and the reason I ask is not so we could figure it out, but also because I think it's a very hard thing to figure out. I think also we're so much put on this track from early age that totally, we get really disconnected. Like like my kids used to draw these beautiful pictures when they were like six years old, and then when they go start school, they just there's no you're. There's no time to draw anymore. You're going from class to class to class forever. Like it never stops. Yeah. So they don't even know if that's something they could have been good at later on. Like we get disconnected from the things that we're good at. That's that's very true. So I've, I have two strategies that I found work for me. And I think sometimes people look at me. I'm like, I just thought what works for me. I, I don't know what works for everybody else. But so like we can do it for you uh, as an example. So tomorrow, right? You're independently wealthy. Like everyone is now worth 10 million. So this is for everyone listening and we're going to do it on James. What do you do all day tomorrow? Just walk me through an ideal day. Right, and that's it. So let's just tell me what your ideal day would be. Okay, like. my ideal day, which start I start to finish, which I do. I pretty much have my ideal day. Keep so, going. Yeah, let's share this. So, so I wake up, I read for about two hours, things that uh, give me enormous pleasure. So I'll usually read uh, some fiction, some nonfiction, some books about games, maybe some some inspirational, uh, and then I'll write for two to four hours. Uh, so I I view the morning as maker hours and then i use i view the afternoon as either manage hours or fun hours so i'll either like manage the different uh businesses or activities i'm involved in you know those are just phone calls or administrative or whatever and then i'll just have fun like uh uh go play air hockey or chess or <laughs> ping pong or or whatever so and that's and and i usually try to do it around people i love or i'm friends with or whatever those are my ideals day or or my children so so those are my ideal days. I try to have them as much as possible. I think I succeed maybe four or five out of seven of the days. Okay. Two two things I want to highlight. I think more people need to schedule fun time in their week. Yeah, I agree. Fun is key. I try to do fun every day. Yeah, I just think it's like most of the time that I open up, the, I always think like every time I imagine a computer opening up, I imagine my brain turning off. I'm what like, about uh, what about online games at all? I mean, whatever it is that's fun for people, yeah. but for me, it's like going outside. Like, so I played frisbee with Ian for an hour, and I was like, "Oh, I'm thinking about business ideas that I wasn't even thinking about, or going for a walk, or whatever it is." And I think people need to actually allocate time in their schedule to have nothing or and, have fun time, or whatever you want to call it. And people will say they don't have that time, but everybody's got that time. They have the time. They're just choosing to sit at the computer because they have to feel productive, not actually be productive. And right. I think they have more time to think about what's the most important things to be doing. They get more out of it. So that's number one. Number two, I think that's so. You asked how do people find what their passion about what they should be working on. Exactly that. You have as much money as you want. You could do whatever you want tomorrow for work. And, and whatever you want in general. And that's how you should try to create your life, not wait conditionally. Like, my conditional life is going to happen in two well, years. And by the happen. way, you don't need the money either. Like, you could make money yes. doing, you know, so my writing I've converted into a business. I have other activities I've converted into Conversing a business. With people. So, you know, po podcast. I love doing podcasts. So and you paid to do this it. Is, this is a profitable podcast. So, yeah. uh, uh, I... I I, I do want to have fun at everything I do. Once something stops being fun, things have to change. Yeah, I completely agree. The um, I think that's number one. So what would you do tomorrow if you could do anything? The other one I did that helped me realize what I want to spend time on is like, in the past 12 months, what if anything you've done, when were you most in the zone? Right? 
so what have you done? So for you, um, I have a few guesses, but you can say your answer. It's probably when you've talked with certain people that you're like, oh my God, I'm getting so much energy and so many good ideas. Or maybe yeah, just, podcasting and writing are I've been when I've been most in the in the but, zone. Yeah, so, I would bet it, I would bet a lot of money that that's what it would be for you. Yeah, because that's what it seems very natural. Like I was reading some of your articles yesterday, and I don't know, maybe I was in a certain mood. But I was like, holy shit, James just wrote this personally for me, and then I was like, seven hundred thousand views. But I was like, it just connected. Maybe I so did well. write it personally for you. You never yeah, know. Yeah, I hope so. I've been prepared. You know, you challenged me to chess match a, uh, a month ago, and I've been I've been nervous. Like, uh, so I've been thinking about uh, chess too, and oh. every, almost every day. Do you generally get nervous? Uh, I always get nervous. Do you really? Yeah, I think nervous uh, is a little bit of fuel for me. It's part of these part of these challenges. I challenge myself too a little bit more frequently, probably than I should, and uh, they make me nervous. Or like I had to speak the other day at a at this conference over here, and uh, uh, I get nervous before any time I speak, even though I know it's a challenge and it's fun and there's yeah. various creative constraints around it. I'll always get a little bit nervous. Yeah. It's interesting for me with discomfort or being nervous. It's it's kind of like a compass to some extent where mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's what I've got to go do. That's what you've got. That's what people tell it's me. Like that moment is that, that when you get scared of something, that's the thing you have to do. And it's man, I, like I did stand up comedy. That was one of my nervous things. And I've I don't think and I speak a lot, but I haven't been so nervous in I don't know, years. That is doing stand up comedy, which I've also done this past year. That was the the two months leading up to five minutes was the scariest two months ever. Okay, do you remember any of your signature jokes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, you know, I, I almost don't want to say them. On, <laughs> See, but that's the... I mean, this is the moment. Well, I, well you know why? Because out of context, it might not be as funny, but I talked about how uh, I basically realized I didn't lose my virginity until after I had two daughters. Because <laughs> like, when you're changing the diapers of these two daughters, you have to clean out all these different folds. You didn't realize how many... I didn't realize how many folds there are down there. And you have to clean out every like speck of crap that's going on it's like you know there's a lot of complicated things happening <laughs> so that's how it started off um i think my a lot of my jokes I've, now that i have a joke list so i keep this like ongoing oh, joke good. list on we my should notes write box. each other's material so oh. then then uh, then it takes the burden off of writing my own material it could i mean that's what a lot of ghostwriters do that's actually kind of an interesting point. I think one of the things that's made me so much better in general uh, professionally is getting more editors or coaches. As mm. I talked about, like I have a chess coach, uh, I have a Hebrew coach, I have like editors for my writing, for my audio, for my video. And like that has made me so much more, uh, it's not professional, but just like elevated the quality of my work. Well, I think, I think, and you know, this goes to the notion of um, Anders Ericsson, who developed the professor who developed the, you know, what Malcolm Gladwell popularizes the 10,000 hour rule, but Anders Ericsson talks about deliberate practice. So to get better, you need, um, you know, someone, a, a mentor or a coach to teach you. It could be mm. a virtual coach, but you need a, some mentor to teach you. Then you need um, to repeat a lot, to do and repeat yes. and get feedback Oof. from the coach because he knows the latest coaching methods. So he's going to tell you what you're doing very quickly wrong. You need to get a lot of stimulus and feedback. And basically you need to repeat that over and over again. Completely. And then and then to add to that, um, you also need to teach because I think that solidifies what you've learned. Definitely. That's one thing a lot of people ask me, and I think I asked you before about mentorship. I think you even wrote an answer about how to get a mentor. And uh, what I realized for me, if I actually expect something of another person, like if I expect someone above that I want to admire to be a mentor, I have to go below and teach someone. Like there's a guy today, this guy named Dallas, where I'm like, he's like, I want to start a business. So I was like, all right, I'm going to coach you and I'm going to be your mentor, but you've got to do what I say and we're going to work together. I'm not asking for any money, but you have to do the work. 
What 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 did you tell him to do first? Uh, he's got a shitty website. I, there's two other guys I've helped. He literally it's today. It was like an hour ago. I was like, hey, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna help you grow whatever business you want to grow for free. Because it's kind of I feel like that's where the karma comes in. We're like, I'm gonna help him. And then I met a guy recently named Jonathan Kuhn. He runs Wikibuy.com. He doesn't know me. He's my mentor, but I'm like basically doing whatever I can to be around him and learn from him and grow from him. Uh, the, what have you learned from him? Jonathan Kuhn. Holy shit, man! This guy's amazing. You've got to talk. To I don't Jonathan think I. I don't oh, think I've dude. Heard I just, of him. I just put out a podcast about him. Uh, like one, it was the lunch that changed my life. And this lunch was crazy specifically because I walked in, I was actually wearing my cowboy outfit and um, I had a table. I got it early, it was at the W and Jonathan's like, oh, we're going to sit at my table. I was like, what do you mean you're sitting at your table? He's like, oh, I said, come over to this table. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, everything's already taken care of. And, I, and he, he was not arrogant, he's not rude, he's not like pompous about anything, he's very humble. Uh, and he's like, well, I don't want friction in my life. And this was such a big moment that I was like, I need to reduce friction in anything and in everything I can. Specifically, he's like, so when I come here, they know I'm coming. So they know that I'm coming to the W. They have valet ready to take my car. They know the food I'm going to order. They know I'm going to tip them $100 because I want to blow their minds with tips, which I've actually started doing because of him. I try to blow people's minds like I just did at lunch today. I did like a 40% tip, which for me, and people always do Jew jokes about me, but like that's a big one for me. And, uh, and then he's like, I don't, I don't want to see a bill. I don't even want to see a bill. I just want to come, have a meeting, walk out, and there's no there's no friction with it, whatever. So he does that within restaurants, with his movies, and he does that within his business, and I'm sure other parts of his life too. And that was uh, an amazing person to be like, man. And he he uh, started one hundred contacts. That's kind of one of his big things. Okay, I've heard I've heard yeah. about him before. Yeah. And so he funded Napoleon Dynamite. Anyways, the point is that like now I'm like let me go help him in any way I can. So I went and helped him with his business. I went and met with one of his guys, and like um, I think that was the way that I was like, oh yeah, I'm helping people below, and this is kind of where it also comes back. I'm gonna be able to meet someone like him and get that opportunity. And and so what else did you? So that's a, a valuable lesson. Uh, eliminate friction in life. Yeah. And you don't necessarily need a lot of money to do that. Like everything he just described. It's not about being was just rich. a few extra bucks, but that's it. Yeah. And, he had some other really golden tips, man. I'll tell you. Tell me. Uh, number two is tip crazy at the places you go frequently to. So I eat I agree at, with that. I eat at Taco Deli a lot, and I eat at True Food Kitchen uh, in Austin a lot. And so I've started. I have one one thing I do that I, I think more people do. I actually have. I'll show you. I have an employee list. So at every restaurant I frequent. Uh, like today, there's a guy named Aaron and he's got a guitar tattoo. Ah. And so I keep track of the people who are there because I think it's a way to have a better relationship, remember who they are. And I also tip exceptionally well so I can actually remove friction. So tipping well, he basically said he used to be a busboy at Arby's or a line cook, a line cook at Arby's. And he said, $20 to you, Noah. So I had a, I think lunch was 40. And he said, if you tip them $30 today, how much do you think that would change their life? A lot. They would be like, I can't believe I got a thirty dollars tip on a forty. At, at the very bill. least, it's noticeable because it's so different from anybody yes, else. It's totally and for you, the difference between thirty and like twenty three dollars is no zero. Exactly. So, so if I, I think on the forty dollar bill, normally I tip eight, right mm -hmm. or seven, whatever it is eight, ten dollars. But to tip thirty, they're gonna their whole day has changed. Mine, I don't notice it. Right. And and it, it feels good. And generally, like I've started tipping a lot more. Like I just tip my doorman a hundred dollars for no reason. But they're because they've always been nice to me, and I'm like. I just feel like, I don't know if there's karma or what it is, but I've noticed I just feel great. So if you're ever feeling sad too, it's an easy way to feel damn good about yourself and like just damn good in general doing that. To tip someone. Yeah, like I was feeling, yeah, I've been feeling a little low. I think, I don't know if it's because of drinking and it's too crowded in South By or what. And it's not just only tipping, but kind of being self-aware of what things help change your feelings. And I noticed tipping has been one that almost like instantly makes me feel better. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that, okay? Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to no, change one, it. Plus one, plus one it. I'm going to plus one it. <laughs> so go to the bank. And ask them for um, a thousand two dollar bills. Okay, so they'll call the Fed and they'll get a thousand. They'll they'll take the two thousand dollars out of your account. And they'll they'll get a thousand two dollar bills. They'll call you up and you pick up a thousand two dollar bills. And now tip the 
the hundred percent or whatever, but all in two dollar bills. That would be interesting. I've seen that, about that. That's great. Blows people away. They never forget you. And and you, boom, you've like it's a boom. I think you alone have saved the two dollar bill. I don't know if you mm. know that. I think we're gonna put your picture on it, man. Because I feel I, like everybody now is like, no, you know about the two dollar thing. I'm like, yeah, I heard it on James' show, dude. I heard about it. <laughs> the the two other things that Jonathan said that I, this is on it's on my show. Like from uh, chatting with him, two other things I thought were just like insanely great. Number one is that he told me the secret to success, which everyone wants the answer. And he's like, whether you want it or not, it's up to you. But I'll tell you, because he had an Uber driver who wanted a, Jonathan has a nice house. And the Uber driver's like, I want your house. And he actually thought it was Jonathan's parents' house. And uh, Jonathan's like, well, I'll tell you how to get it. And I'll even give you the money to run the business. And he's like, sure. He's like, all right, I'll give you the money to do the business. What business do you want to do? He's like, I want to run a limo company. Jonathan said, oh, fine, I'll give you all the money for it. But here's the secret. And here's what you have to do. And if you do it, I'll fund you the whole thing. And Jonathan would. He's like, you got to work 80 hours a week for 20 years. And if you do that, you're going to have this house and you'll have all the success you want. But are you down for that? And if you're down for it, I will give you the money today. And I was like, I'm like, Jonathan, you would have done it? He's like, yeah, I would have done it. So, and the Uber driver, uh-huh. the Uber driver goes, nah, I don't want it. I don't want it. And it's funny uh, because someone actually messaged me, emailed me today and they said, Noah, I don't really want to work that many hours. And I don't, I, I, everyone should do whatever the hell they want. I'm only saying right. that I really resonated with that message that Jonathan's like, if you want success, depending on how you measure it, it's very straightforward to him. It's like you put in the, a lot of work sustainably for a long period of time and you will get what you want. And I think so, that's true for a lot of stuff. So that's so important. And and I, I want to actually keep hearing more of Jonathan's tips. This Jonathan, is great. So but I want to I wanna, I wanna also address this by saying, I feel like we're inundated now with like self-help blogs and books <laughs> and podcasts and seminars and retreats and all this stuff because people want to shortcut that and they want to shortcut that because life has become so uncertain lately this is why like all this election stuff's crazy and all this um you know people are you know uh, all these jobs are going off offshore or getting automated so people are just uncertain what's going to happen in their lives so they feel like they're, they're feeling down and they want kind of inspiration but i think they really want to shortcut that uh you know, work 80 hours a week for, for 20 years. Yes. Because that does work. Like that will work. That will guarantee <laughs> Particularly work. when you have combine it with mentor and, uh, rep, you know, getting feedback and, and totally. teaching other people, you'll, you'll become a, a magnificent success. And, and I'm guilty of it too. I wanted so many shortcuts all I along the way. Too. I wanted to. And every time you want a shortcut, that's when you lose all your money. <laughs> I, I think that's very, it's like going to the gym and you work out once and you're like, why don't I have a six pack? It's like, well, how many times do you have to go to the gym? So I think one of the, the concepts I think about is that, one, how do you, I do things that are sustainable? So how do I find work that I can sustainably do? Like, and I joke about my mom, and I love my mom. It's Mama, Mama Sumo is what she calls herself. But she goes on the watermelon diet. Never tell you about this? No. She goes on a watermelon diet, and so she'll eat watermelons for a month, and she'll lose a bunch of weight. She's like, look how much weight I lost. Look how much. I'm like, you think you're going to eat watermelons forever? And she goes, and then the next month, she's like, okay, I had a pizza, and then I'm so naughty. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like. And then she starts going back to something that's sustainable, which is not eating watermelon all the time. So I think you have to figure out what things are sustainable. The other thing that I've thought about related to Jonathan and and this part about working for a long period of time uh, is that now we're in this age of attention, right? And so I think whoever can pay attention to something the longest will win. Meaning that like we're so trained to have 15 seconds on Instagram, second on Twitter, a minute on Snapchat or whatever it is. You got Facebook, all these things. So whoever can pay attention to something they're working on for a long period of time will win. Right in whatever aspect they want. You know that's really true. Like I, I mentioned to you uh, at the beginning of this podcast. You know we've we've quintupled in downloads since since we've started. Uh, 
I'm like on my fourth year of doing this podcast. Yes. Like it's a long, yes. I was thinking about it today because someone corrected me. I said, oh, I started this in like 2015. No, you started this like at the end of 2013. And I'm like, man, I've been doing this a long time. I've talked to a lot of people. And <laughs> three years ago, you you about. you learn and you get better, and people know about you, and and things just start. Things compound; they don't add. So, so I think that's the thing that people don't realize is that if you do something like ten times, it's not like you're ten times better. It's like you're. It's like you're, they're compounding. It's like you're fifty times better when you do something ten times in a row. I like that. So, so that's an an, an important lesson as well. The the last thing and to. Continue what you're saying. Not plus one, it plus mm -hmm. zero point one. Um, Jonathan said there's a book, uh, Creativity Inc. Or five to yeah, by uh, uh, Ed Catmull, uh, Pixar guy. You should, have you had him on? Uh, no, but him. I would love to have him on because that book is a genius book. And so that I actually just started. I read it. Literally, I got it and started reading it instantly, and it's amazing. That book, and then Five Dysfunction of a Team, which Jonathan said everyone at Wikibot.com. What, what's what's it called? Five Dysf Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Okay. And so Jonathan said he makes everyone read it, and the big thing, and I think to your point. It's not just doing the podcast. I think anyone can do a podcast. I think, number one, can they do it for four years? Probably not. They'll give up. Number two, can they get feedback, right? Can you actually get candid, helpful, honest feedback from the right people? Right. You can get the wrong, wrong feedback from the wrong people, which is not going to help. So can you get the right feedback? And then three, can you actually improve it, right? So can you take, so for my, my podcast, actually, it was interesting. I didn't realize anyone, you actually said it. It was so interesting in your uh, article. It was a great article. Everyone should read it. Uh, about how to grow a podcast. I thought it right. was one of the best articles I've read about Thank it. Thank you. And you said audio quality. When I started my show, I just literally had like either my iPhone or like a recorder and it was like, and then people, and then, but I, and so I asked for feedback. That's one thing like this guy Barr at sumo.com that I work with, he always asked for feedback. And so like, some, I asked for feedback on the show. I'm like, give me feedback. And then people were like, your audio quality sucks. And I was like, okay. So now I've probably spent about $1,500 like, for when I'm traveling, I just bought like a new road travel mic for lapel. I have like an H5 Zoom now, and like it's oh, well, not been, only that. Uh, how much? How much does this place cost per hour? How much does it cost? I'm I'm asking the audio engineer. How much? Seventy. This place costs seventy bucks an hour. That's not even that bad. It's no, it's not because the ads are gonna generate you know fifty but times that. What was your first show? What did you do with your audio in your first show? Well, when we were talking, we did it on Skype, and it, and I had a train <laughs> in the background every five minutes, and it was awful. Now we're in person. In a studio, yeah. Okay, so I don't even bring like my laptop to your place and with a little recorder or whatever, because that would that in person rapport is good too. But like that combined with being in a professional studio, then we send the file to an audio engineer who cleans it up even better. And you know, then somebody might like your podcast and say that was great, but they're not going to share it if the audio quality is good. So, and that's how you get word of mouth. Of course, is the best marketing technique. And you don't get that if the audio quality is not good. Even if you even if you have the best guest on and the most interesting content. Totally. So so what's 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 another thing Jonathan's taught you? That was, that uh, not, was, not to make this whole podcast about Jonathan. No, I love Jonathan. No, those are the four. I mean, that's actually been interesting doing a podcast. I almost think everyone should be not necessarily doing a podcast, but interviewing people as a conduit to connect with amazing people. And and podcast is just a great excuse, actually. Yeah, and you don't have people are like, well, I don't have an audience. That's how you start an audience, right? Yeah. You go and have your own unique angle or view. Like I just got to meet the, uh, Nick from Alinea. Do you know uh, Alinea? No. Alinea is like the number one restaurant in the world. Okay. And I went and eaten there and I, honestly, it was a game changing, right? Like, I don't know if you can get tickets even to go there and the food is just like phenomenal. The chef's table show on Netflix, you can watch Alinea and it's, it's a really good uh, show about it. And so I was in Chicago to see Jason Fried from 37 Signals. He was having an event and I was like, I just messaged him and I emailed him and I tweeted him. I was like, hey, do you think I could come by and just interview for an hour and a half? And, you know, just having that, being able to record that and be able to share that message just like you get to do uh, was where I get to learn a lot and grow a lot and just it's exciting to meet them and share those messages. So for him, 
uh, Nick was recently, the two things that he said is that whenever you get the chance to work with someone great, if you ever get a chance to even meet someone great, do whatever it takes to work with them. So interesting. And you, uh, so, it's great. I've tried to do that a lot as well. Has it, has it not worked out? Or uh, <laughs> No, it has worked out. But the way to work with somebody, and I've, I've written a lot about this before, is you have to demonstrate a lot of upfront value for free first so yes, they notice you. Completely. No expectation. No, And with no expectation, right? You have to give with no expectation. And you can't get angry ever. Well, it's funny you say that. So Dallas, the guy who I'm going to start mentoring next week, he actually messaged me on Insta on Instagram. Right, okay. I know a cake, and he just messaged me. He was like, "Hey, I saw, I heard on your podcast you're looking for a Miata. I'm really excited about getting a Miata." And uh, he's like, "I love Is that my- a car. I don't even yeah, drive, it's so <laughs> it's a car. Yeah, you don't know a Miata? No, I don't know anything about cars. Okay, uh, I'm not a big car guy, but I really want a Miata. And I, um, and so he messaged me. and was like, "I heard you really you want a Miata. I love buying and selling cars. Like, I'll actually if you're in, I see you're in Austin. Like, I'll go out find them and uh, I'll go check them out in person and recommend the one I think you should buy." And I was like, that's a good sure? service. Is there any catch? He's like, no, I just really like you. I like your message. I want to share it. And so he actually went out. And on Friday, the one he recommended, I'm going to go see in person and probably buy. And then he asked me for like, hey, can you be my mentor? And I was like, bro, come on. There's always a catch. So I would have wished he didn't ask for that if you asked like some lighter questions first before like a bigger commitment. But I'm like, no, I, I do want to help out and give back just as much. Yeah, but because it, I think I think the mentor-mentee relationship tends to happen more naturally than just sort of like, hey, I want to sign up as a mentee to your yes. mentorship program. <laughs> like, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. To all the freelancers listening right now, if you could reclaim up to 192 hours a year of your precious time, would you? If you're doing the math, 192 hours could save you two working days per month. Who wouldn't benefit from an extra two days a month? You know, I would benefit because I would watch nonstop Netflix series back to back. Luckily, our friends at FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy cloud accounting software for freelancers. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. If that's not enough incentive, the FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. And if you're not using FreshBooks yet, now would be the time to try because FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all of my listeners. That's you. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com James and enter the James Altucher Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. If you're hiring, you need to know where to post your job to find the best candidates. And believe you me, I know finding great talent can be difficult. Thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites on the World Wide Web with just one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in under 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. One more time. To try it for free, 
Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James. So by the way, by, by another thing I wanted to say about your introduction, before you got here, I was talking to someone and I said, oh, I'm going to interview uh, Noah Kagan later. And he said, you know, one thing about that guy, if I tell you his name, you'll know who he is. He said, one thing about that guy, he almost gets like pleasure out of on purpose shaming himself all the time, putting himself <laughs> putting himself in these like situations where like he's like could potentially be ashamed, you know, kind of like the 10% discount thing. Yeah. So, so and, and then we were talking about something out there right before uh, where I said, hold on to that. Uh, until we get on the podcast, what was what were we talking about? Uh, right well, there's two, I got two of them, uh, and I just think sometimes putting it out there makes it easier to talk about. Uh, it also builds deeper relationships when you can share things that are a little more yeah. vulnerable. Uh, so I went to a proctologist this morning, uh, and I think why wanted, were you feeling sick or something? Uh, no, I had like it was on my birthday last year. I had like a weird wart thing. So on your ass? On my ass? <laughs> and I'll tell you, like, having some, you know, really attractive nurse and a nice doctor, like, look at your butt at, like, 9 a.m. with some metal pliers is, is, a, is an awkward feeling. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, everyone should get their prostate checked. That's, uh, <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, totally good. I have to go to a dermatologist. Everything's That's fine. it. Yeah. Well, I think the point, though, with that and uh, in general, what I've noticed, I also started doing Clomid, which I guess is kind of becoming more popular with guys. Have you heard What's about Clomid? This? So I have my, my sperm count, like, my, my soldiers are good, but some of them are, like, off the battlefield. Like, like the motility, does that mean the motility is not good? I think there's just less of them, uh-huh. but they're still good, but there's just not as many of them. Okay. Like some of them are retired, like they're getting old. Okay. Uh, How old are you? Uh, 35. Okay. Right. And it's actually a common thing. This is taboo and I'm happy to just put it out there, but I think more and more guys are like, I've got low testosterone, which I've gotten checked and it's low, but I feel fine. Right. And so there's some medicine out there that you can take like external testosterone, which a lot of people talk shit on. And so I started taking Clomid, which is a pill that actually like tells your balls, like make more testosterone, make more sperm. And, uh, it doesn't artificially do it though. No, it's natural. Same, because here's the here's the worry on that kind of stuff is that then the body, the body's parts that are in charge of that say, oh, we've outsourced that. We don't have to yep. do it anymore, and they and it gets worse. Yeah. So and you actually start making estrogen. Yes. It's <laughs> so that's not, the danger. I don't want estrogen. I'm good with that. Uh, with that, I, I think overall, I think to our original point, and I'll, I'll finish the story is just like practicing habits that are things you're uncomfortable with, and even sharing uncomfortable things like. I'm like, well, I'm still alive. Things are better. People actually are like, man, I really appreciate you sharing that. Like, I have it too, or I was thinking about it. Uh, and then it kind of keeps pushing my capacity for life. Like, I feel like my life becomes more interesting. Well, also, look, we're all in it together. Life is like really hard, okay, from beginning to end. Like, as soon as your foot like last touches your mother's, you know, womb or <laughs> vagina or whatever, like life's hard until you die. And you kind of have to... um Help each other out. Do you do you think? Well, I, I can finish the comments. Do you think? I don't think life is hard, or I don't I, think life should be hard. I don't, you know, it depends how you define hard, I guess. Yeah. But look, there's just in general, like all the things you have to do to like maintain quality of life and health and relationships. It's like a lot of work and a lot of practice. You know, a lot of people don't do those things, and life gets harder and harder for them. They get sick. They get. Uh, you know, even the natural things that could happen as you age, they get more of them and, you know, or they lose a lot of money and then they have to work through that stress and anxiety. So I don't know. I feel like unless you kind of have to keep trying and working at it and sharing tips, you know, to keep getting better. And maybe that's why, you know, kind of this self-help industry is sort of like uh, ballooned lately, although I think mostly artificially, but, you know, we're sort of looking for for tips all over the place and have nowhere to go. 
I, I like your point on shortcuts and looking for tips and quick hacks when really it's like, sometimes you kind of need a blueprint, right? You need directions, but also you have to go put in the work. And I, I think there's a quote, I don't know, it's like the harder you work, the easier life gets. And I think yeah. that's true for like your relationships, for your personal stuff, for your health, and for your work. Like you have to go put in the work and then life does become easier. And I think generally people will start noticing, or this is what I've been aware of, is that when things are going off, like how do you become more self-aware? Like how do you, I call it self-diagnostic. How do you become more self-aware, self-diagnostic, and you're like, why am I not feeling as well? Or what's been changing that I'm not as satisfied with? Or what have I been really liking that I've been doing? So for like Clomid, for like a week, I was like, I felt like I had a lot of estrogen. <laughs> I really? Felt, yeah, it's supposed to do the opposite of that. And then I'm like, man, I'm really edgy. I'm really moody. I want to be alone. I'm feeling really <laughs> sad. And so in the morning, I'm like, well, let's go back and let's try to diagnose like what's changed in my life. Like work is the same. Health is the same. Women are the same. Diet's the same. Only thing that's changed is I started taking this new pill. So, all right, let me try removing that and then going forward. And now I'm actually feeling great again. So you stopped taking it. I stopped taking it. And it's like, I was already feeling great. I thought it maybe enhance it. And that's kind of coming back full circle to the original point of like, AB test your life. Like try A and B, see which, if you want to do, maybe it's neither, right? Or maybe you find out both are great. And then I think that's kind of what I've been on this real big kick about, which is like, let me try adding in new things like that. If it helps, do even more of it. If it doesn't, remove it. So what are some other uh, like either challenges or AB tests that you've done lately? Yeah, uh, 5 a.m. challenge was a big one. That seemed really popular. So I woke up at 5 a.m. for, I think I did it for about 45 days. And then now I'm getting up around 6 or 7 a.m. And I love it. Like, and the point- 5 a.m. is great. I think that's the ideal time to wake up. Yeah, it was just more- For me. The, by, do you I mean, get up at 5? I, I do, or I try to on most days because then, let's say, like I said, if I, if I read for two hours and then write for two hours, at that point it's 9 a.m., and that's when everybody else is just getting to work, and I've already done the most creative acts of the totally. day for myself. But and the day, the the quote unquote work day is over for me when the day is just beginning for everyone yeah. else. Well, I think I think when the weather is nice, you shouldn't be inside the jail cell. Like I think it's like the the, the convicts have it better. They actually get free time, right? <laughs> right. People at the office, like I'm like, get out of the office. So I think if you get up, or go save yourself. Uh, but if you get up early and you get to work early and like you finish at noonish, right? Most actual good work. Most people in the office are really only doing like, in my mind, four good hours of work, possibly. Uh, I right? agree with that because I, I don't know when the last. Well, I don't know when the last time you've had a big corporate job is, but the last time I had a big corporate job, I would see like everybody would get in around ten. Then they would like kind of take a smoking break around eleven. Then they'd lunch from twelve to two. Then another smoking break around three and leave around four. Like I don't know when anybody you got like a few hours worth of work a day. Done. Yeah. Well, and the point there with that challenge is not just about waking up early because I found it actually, that was my sweet spot of productivity because I'm not distracted. But the point, the higher level thing for me was like, oh, what time of the day am I getting the most done that I enjoy? And so getting up early, I was like, man, this, I'm doing a lot of great work right now. Well, I'm going to just do more of that. Well, right? what, what do you enjoy doing? Because, I mean, you read a lot of great blog posts. You, you Clearly, you enjoy writing. Like, what, what's, what's your thing that you do at five in the morning? What have I been doing? Like, today, I literally just read a fiction book most of the morning. What, what book? It's called Red Rising. Oh yeah, I just saw that actually being sold in the South by Southwest bookstore. Dude, awesome. Yeah, It's, it's kind of like the Hunger Games genre of like there's a kid and he struggles and then he gets an opportunity and then he has to fight other kids. Uh, but it's just really well done. It's an amazing book. Okay, um, uh, it's on my list. Yeah, I would definitely add that. So yeah, I spent the morning just, I biked around, I biked to the proctologist. I found that like doing something active always cheers me up and makes me just feel good about the rest of the day. And that's one of my challenges. I got challenged uh, last month to do 400 miles of biking in 30 days. And so I actually found out that I liked it. So I'm, now I'm doing it again. Wow, that's a lot. So what is that, like uh, 12, miles. 13 miles a day? Yeah, I think 12 and a half. This month, I'm doing 200 miles because I was like, it was, it was about an hour a day of biking. Okay. 
But I realized like having that kind of structure and routine, I was like, man, it's a great way to get my morning going. Or like yesterday, I had to go to meetings. So I was like, well, I guess I'm biking to meetings. Uh, so that's been one of the challenges. Didn't know caffeine for a week. It's kind of a, I was like, I, I like caffeine. So I'm, now I'm back on caffeine because I enjoy it. Uh, so it's just been, I have a list of other ones. Um, I want one from you actually called Choose Yourself. It was just like that slash no apologies. This is a more interesting one. Um, no apologies is hard. So let me hear, hear what you mean by that. The choose yourself was because I was doing something and I didn't really choose myself and I was like, just I should have just chose what I wanted. What, what do you mean? Like you kind of relied on someone else to validate you in some way? I, I do that from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is more like, I think I did, I was going somewhere, I was at a party and I maybe didn't really want to be there. And I was like, what do you really want to do? I was like, I want to be at home just chilling or I want to be with a few friends. And I was like, okay, choose yourself, go, leave. Right, so you went to this party maybe for other reasons, like you liked being asked and you liked going. Yeah. You thought it would be kind of part I didn't, of I didn't some want to group. be alone, possibly. Right. Uh, so that was that. And I think it was just a reminder. So all my, I, th- I think the point of challenges are just like mantras or things. You have to see it a lot. Mm-hmm. You have to see a lot. So on my whiteboard, on my fridge right now, if you come home with me, you'll see it says choose yourself. And the other one, is, there's a few of them. One is no apologies. So I found in general that if you're putting yourself out there, you're going to get criticized, right? Like if you do anything, people want to take you to the middle. Right, it's like any restaurant or any place. They're like, "Well, how do we take it to the average?" And I don't think things get recognized or amazing things get built in the average. And so, me putting myself out there, I was like, "No, just go full out and not go be extreme for extreme sake." Like, yeah, let me do some crazy stuff and say stupid things just to be like that because that's not me. But be yourself without apology, completely. So, no apologies challenge. So, I spent thirty days where I don't apologize for how much money I make. I make money. Like that. Why do I have to apologize now? Why do I have to sell? And it's not about being arrogant, but it's just not apologizing for things you don't have to apologize. If I like run you over or if I kick you accidentally, I'm going to apologize. Right. But it's not, a, it's about not apologizing for who you are and starting to really embrace that. I just felt a lot better about myself. I think, I think, um, I'll, I'll, I'll plus one, but it's already included in what you're saying. I think when you say no to people, there's often the kind of uh, need to either apologize or explain. And I try very hard not to yes. explain. So if somebody uh, you know, invites me to something and I don't want to do it, I just say no. And I don't, and then there's silence. So hard. <laughs> that dude. is hard. Do you just, so like it's South by this week. I've gotten a few people who have been like, hey, can we grab coffee? Yeah, I get that all the time. And so you just say no or do you not respond? Both. <laughs> so sometimes I don't respond. Sometimes I say no. And then when but you, I don't say, oh, I'm going to be out of town that day. You don't lie. Or, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't lie and I don't give an excuse. Like, there, there's no reason why I need to give an excuse. I think that just that concept, if I can, if everyone can be true to themselves and not apologize for what they really want, I think the world would be actually better. It's not to say that you should be rude to people at all. That's not what I want to encourage, but like, do what you really want. And, I, and that's how I feel, especially even with jobs. Like, I love my favorite, one of my favorite things is when someone loves their job. Like I have this girl, this girl I'm seeing and she loves being a nurse. She's like, I love being a nurse. I love taking care of people. I love when they, they appreciate it. I'm like, man, I love that you like that. Right? That's so great. And I think everyone should go and try to do those things in work and personal and all this stuff. But not, not everybody has because again, they, they veered away early and, and they recognize this. They veered away early. They're kind of unhappy. It's a little hard for them to get out of the bed. They go to work and they feel kind of this obligation as part of their day. Totally. And... I wonder uh, again how they can kind of get you know how people in general can get back on track and I, and I, and by the way it's not like my life's perfect I often you often have to kind of readjust and make sure you haven't been veering off track you know sometimes you could do something for a long time and then it's no longer as enjoyable or you veered away from kind of some core values and you have to recognize it and veer back so it's sort of this self monitoring 
you know, Self-like things. Nothing. Yes. Well, I mean, what's something recent for you? I mean, I know the relationship. I don't know if you sh- have you shared that at all. Uh, not really. No. <laughs> do you want to do it on my show? Do you want to do it here right now? No, no, no. You don't want to do it because like, you know why? Because I have never had any any problem about saying something bad about myself. So, but I never want to say anything about anybody else. It's none of my business about other people's stories. It's not about, it's not that. I guess what I'd be curious to share is like how you moved through it. Cause I know for me, when I heard what happened, like, and I'm not gonna yeah. share details cause that's up to you to decide. I was like, how the hell did you process that? Okay. I'll like, tell you. And I'll t- that I'll tell you. So, uh, the way I was able to process is, is a hundred percent with, it, it almost was this blessing in disguise in that I've always been recommending, you know, I write about this thing called the daily practice. Like when I lost all this money, I did all these things for my physical health, emotional health, creativity, spirituality. And, and that helped me bounce back from like, you know, a horrible situation I was in. So I figured, okay, I have this opportunity again to see if what I've been writing about for years really still works for me. So I decided to eat uh, nutritionally, make sure I got eight hours of sleep, Mm. exercise. And then on an emotional level, I called uh, friends and I explained what happened. And I literally just like fell backwards into the hands of my friends. And like I had one friend, for instance, who was saying, okay, I want you for every, I want you every meal, you have to take a photo of the meal and who you're having the meal with. So she was making sure I was eating and I was socializing. And another friend flew literally stopped a vacation she was having in China, flew from China to where I was in an Airbnb and kind of like got all my paperwork and everything like that together. And I just had like four or five friends like that who I really leaned into and it was great. And then I also made sure I wrote every day, even writing things that I wasn't going to publish because I was writing about the situation. I wrote every day. Hmm. And then I also um, sought professional help. Help, uh, help. So I, I went to see a therapist who specialized in the exact situation I was in. And uh, on a spiritual level, that's hard to define, but you know, always kind of keeping track of when I was feeling regret or anxiety and trying to just at those moments reduce it uh, was key for me. And then I did see that, that I bounced back. I didn't necessarily bounce back in the best way. I kind of had to go through a couple of midterm crashes along the way and uh uh you know and that ultimately led to me saying okay enough and then i threw out all my belongings and out of that i got a lot better so that was it <laughs> wow it, you know it's amazing because I, I think people think at some level amount of money that you just stop having problems yeah no no i mean m- money actually increased the problems in this case and uh um really what helped and, and again, the reason why I say it was a blessing in disguise, it got me a chance to really take a step back and say, well, am I following my own quote unquote advice that I'm constantly writing about? I don't know. I no longer have to write about it in the context of something that happened years ago. This is something I'm living through right now. I'm just going to do exactly what I always say I do, which is in general what I do, but I was, I maxed it out and, and it did work for me. Like it was, it was great and I feel better for it. So, and and I don't stop. It's not like I ever stop it, but but that's how I always kind of get back on track. Yeah. Well, it, so it works. Well, I think one of the big things you did that I just want to repeat, because I think everyone who's got this up in their earlobes, is that you reevaluated your belief, right? You're like, well, my belief is that this daily practice will make my life better. 
And, right. And I thought and that's does, really interesting that people have to realize that their own beliefs and whatever aspects they have. And, and this is this relates to like the life is hard thing. You can't ever stop like an earthquake from happening, right? So I can't control <laughs> like the world around me. But then when something bad happens, like my house burns down, yeah. I can get back to what internally are my core values and code that I live by and uh, live by them. And because they're going to, they worked before, they worked many times before, and now I can see if they work again. And, and I can improve them in various ways, but I'm still getting back to those core values. And yeah. so, so it's a pleasure to, be, to, to have it reaffirmed that that works. Yeah. So that's, so that's how I readjust. But how do you readjust when when you mentioned like for instance you were low this morning, but you so you exercised and you 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 were active. Yeah, I mean what I've actually done is I think people have to imagine. So we talked about what makes a great day earlier. So if you're thinking about what do I really need to work on, what should I be working? on? I have no idea. What would be a great day? You don't have to worry about money. You can work on anything. What would your day be like? I think that's also great just in, in general for your day. And so I've actually I have a list on my table. It's like what are the elements of a great day for me, right? And so just boil down like so for me, I know if I'm active. I know if I read, I actually, and this is actually one of them. If I have a great conversation, it makes my whole like I'm I glow the rest of the day. Yeah, and so like you know, like maybe a little flirting with someone, some good food. Um, I do do meditating now, journaling, chess. That's one of the things. And so like you have to add things in masturbating sometimes, right? And so like <laughs> add in some stuff that and works. Some out gets like, oxytocin going. Yeah, I mean you know, uh, make sure you don't shake hands afterwards. Uh, <laughs> but you just I try to add. I I don't know what's gonna work all the time. So I have to add things in, take things out, and I'm like, all right, man, those elements of my day are good. So how do I en engineer my days to have those elements? So in the morning, I make sure I bike, right? I know that if I'm doing something active, I'll feel better. Uh, and that's what I think people should be doing for their days in general. And so so how does this all fit in with your business? Because you've been building up, you know, over the past three, four years, maybe longer. Seven. Uh, seven seven years, years. Like a very successful business. Like I use your business. I know a lot of people who use your business. It's it's legit. Like you're, you offer authentic services. I mean, I won't describe everything your business does, but how do you fit in your 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 business life into all of this? Yeah, I I think for men and for myself specifically, like work gives us a lot of purpose. Like I, I do like Anne Rand. Like you know, work gives you a lot of significance. Uh, probably for women too. Mm -hmm. Not not dis uh, discriminating against them at all. Um, I think you have to find out like what you really want to work on and are excited to work on for an extended period of time. I was, I was having lunch with Ian and one of the things I realized is that if anyone would have told me how long it takes to actually get success, like I may not have ever started, right? And yeah. So specifically, like I've been in this seven years, right? Like I was making no money for three years, right? I didn't make any money. I mean, I think I made like 30 or 40,000 and I was making six plus figures at mint.com when I was their director of marketing. And I was like, man, I'm, so it's actually sometimes better to be an employee and I have some thoughts about that. Um, but yeah, it took a long time to finally get success. Uh, and I think what you have to figure out in your business is like, how do you create a business that you can work on indefinitely? Right. And there's debates about passion. I don't know. I like working on problems that I have and solving my own problems and working on things that I want to see exist in the world. And I feel like that's always served me well. And every time I veer off to opportunity, that's just a money opportunity. I always kind of flame and burn. I well, like and I think this is a key thing for everybody to, to learn. And let's unpack that a little bit. Sure. So when you because uh, I think this examples, is related yeah. to art. I think this is related to business. I think this is related to to many things. Uh, uh, you have to do. You're going to specialize essentially in what you're bad at <laughs> at first, because you're going to love something, but you're bad at it initially, right? So you have to learn to be good at it, and then that whole entire process of learning every step of the way, all these different techniques totally. and tricks and and so on. You build up this encyclopedia of habits and techniques and 
tips and, uh, you know, things that, you know, success ideas that ultimately create you being good at what you want to be good at. Totally. Uh, you can't, nobody's just automatically like a master <laughs> violinist. They nah. have to learn every step of the way. The, the billion tricks that, totally. you know, in, in, in learning theory, they call them chunks. Like you have to get this uh, vocabulary of, of chunks that nobody else has. And so you learn this in business, but it takes a long time. And it takes a teacher, and it takes. I think the peers. teacher part is is critical. So I mean, the two things I would say in, in addition to this path, and I can share the six stories of uh, the failures and like the things that I veered off course for money. Uh, but two things recently that have been really fascinating for me is one, just learning something brand new, right? So if you're like you know you're James Altucher, you writing, you've written forever, you've done stocks for a long time, now you're like this nomadic person professionally. Um, but when's the last time you learned something new? I don't. I don't know. Well, I, I'm I'm a big believer in this. We're probably very similar in all these yeah, things. So, it's a, uh, but uh, I I try to take lessons in something all the time. Wait, what's so, your thing? So about? so in the past uh, couple of weeks, I went to uh, or on my birthday actually, I went to um, uh, an archery range and oh, cool. we got bow and arrow lessons, and it was great. I learned something totally new. Or you know. Um, you know, we went to a rifle range. Also, I learned how to <laughs> shoot rifles, and <laughs> and which in New York is not so easy. Like New York is a lot of yeah. laws. Uh, we we I took a DJ lesson. I've been and I'm I'm oh, always DJ a, lesson's a good one. Yeah, DJ lesson was was fun. I learned something that applied to other areas of my life. And then uh, comedy, something I'm always trying to to learn. Uh, you know, all the ins and outs of that. Like I'd like to to do more of that. So I'm, and and chess is something I'm constantly trying to learn to be better at. Did you so, get a DJ name by the way? I did not get a DJ name. Well, I've been calling because so, on my show and like in general, I ha I'm trying to be a rapper. So it's like I call myself Rabbi Can't Lose, and we need to get you. A, we can call you a Rabbi. I think Rabbi is just like a cool one. Get, rabbi is pretty good because it's kind of like the DJ. Yeah. you know, front. Yeah. So I was like, Rabbi, why James? are you trying to be a rapper? Uh, by the way, I'm I'm totally in support of that because I I I'm a huge fan of hip hop for the past thirty years. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've just been joking because sometimes I hear these people on stage. I'm like, it's just not that. It's all in the. It's in the beat. It's like they got a really good beat, and I, I like being on stage. I like bringing the party together. I like you know talking in front of people. I just think it'd be a fun experience. It's like I do that now. Speaking about business, I think somehow uh, entertainment wise, with just like verbal like talking about things in very fast ways or fun ways, would be interesting. I you know I've had Coolio on this podcast. I've had <laughs> Luke uh, on this podcast from Two Live Crew. I've had. Um, Biz Marquis, a lot of old school, Ru That's Russell cool. Simmons, and Jesse Itzler, who people don't think of as a rapper. He's, um, he owns the Atlanta Hawks. He uh, he sold a bunch of companies, but initially he was rapper. a rapper in the early 90s or in Vanilla Ice. There was sort of only room for like one <laughs> white rapper, and like Vanilla Ice beat him <laughs> out. Him out. Yeah, I mean, well, coming back uh, originally, uh, so yeah, I'm learning Hebrew, right? That's something I want. You can do italki.com, right? Because anywhere in the world, I can learn a language. So I, I've been learning Hebrew, and now I'm going to go to Israel in June and live there for a while. Wow. How long are you going to live there? Uh, two months right now. Wow. That's the plan for, for what now. What are you going to do with your girlfriend? Uh, it's not a girlfriend. Okay. We're just seeing each other. Um, it's interesting you asked that. Why'd you go there? Well, because I always think about relationships when there's any big change in life, like and how people are interacting with each other on that. For me, yeah. I, I, it's hard to just, quote-unquote, just see. So it is. I, so if I have a big change in my life, it usually involves like whoever I'm with. I do think what I've noticed is that changing in relationships, person like like girl boy thing or jobs like or geographical generally improves life, is what I've noticed. So if like you would change your job as much as I don't want people to leave the company, our company, like I want the company to be amazing, so they don't want to leave. Like changing sometimes it does make things better. Um, doesn't mean you should go change your wife. I don't think that's always going to help. Uh, but I have seen when people move locations or when they change to a new function in a company or that. They change something in the relationship; it does improve. So, for me, I'm like, 
I notice that when I live in foreign countries or different places, different cities, and I do work there, like I'm just, my curiosity, the way I meet people, the things I'm thinking about are just elevated. So that's what kind of sparked me to be like, well, I should probably try living somewhere else for a little while. Yeah, Hebrew, they don't really speak English there, surprisingly. I yeah. mean, Hebrew is what they speak in Israel. Well, so yeah, I, I would say the thing I was going to tell for anybody, you know, for the people listening, for anybody listening, um, is like starting over, right? Because I think at some point you become an, not an, yeah, you become an expert to some extent and you kind of forget the beginner's mindset, which is a Steve, uh, Steve Jobs quote, which is like the, I think once he got out of Apple, like he felt so much lighter. Uh, and so I like that I have to learn something new from scratch. So whatever it is in DJing or rapping or uh, I took a boxing class last weekend. And I was like, man, this is actually pretty fun. I didn't realize I could box and I actually really enjoyed getting punched in the face. Um, but so that, and then also teaching something, you realize how much you do know too. So as you were, we've been talking a lot about mentorship, yeah. uh, teaching has been interesting. Uh, so, so when you're, so like another thing I know you're learning is, is chess. So yeah. you, I, I, you did the smart thing. You found a chess uh, coach, coach. Yep. and I assume you, you, you know, you play, you show him your games and he kind of goes through and, yep. and says what you did wrong, what you did right, or he sets up positions and has you solve them. Yep. Like what have you learned about the process of learning? I, I think chess is like a classic thing to learn chess or poker or games or like the games are like these metaphors for life. So they're these, they there are these classic things to learn where you learn the art of learning yes, while learning the them. The art of learning, I think, is the so, biggest So what part. have you learned about learning while learning, you know, something like chess? Because it sounds like you're taking it seriously. I'm taking, last year was ping pong. So I've spent, a, I spent, you know, a year spending ping pong and getting pretty damn good. You uh, got very good as, because I know, because I played you. <laughs> it was close match though. It was close. 21, 17, like you let me get up to 17, I think a little bit. But you also did blackout right before. Yeah, so I blacked I, out right I, before. I, I, I didn't have a chance. <laughs> didn't get, I didn't black out because of alcohol, I might add. I just, yes, I just yes. fell to the ground. That was I don't know scary. what happened. That, that was really scary. So, but then we played and I got 21, I got 17 points. All right, we'll do a rematch. I haven't yeah. been playing as much uh, that, but I, I found... I was reflecting, and one of the things I, I was mentioning earlier, it's like, if you're never sure, uncertain of like, what should I be working on? I don't know what stuff I like. Just go look in the past. You can be like, when have I worked on something or done activities that I used to really love? So for me, like, I used to like biking, and so like, so I've gotten back into biking. Like, now I'm into road biking and mountain biking specifically. I love mountain biking, so I'm doing that a lot more. And same with chess. Like, in college, I listened to this band called The Promise Ring. And I remember I'd listen to Promise Ring, and then my roommate would get really high, and then he would kick my ass in chess, right? And he would just like, he was really good. And I was like, man, I used to love playing that. I miss that. Let me get back into that or explore getting back into that. And then I started playing and I was like, man, I'd, I'd like to elevate my game. And I thought the best way to accelerate that learning is to hire someone who's a coach. That is, the, that is the only way to accelerate. I think you always have to hire a coach for anything. If you want to be better at it in a shorter period of time, yeah. Because not only are they better so they can give you feedback, but they also know learning techniques better than you do. So they know the art of learning chess better than you know the art of learning. So, yeah. there, so there's a meta level to hiring a teacher. Hopefully if they're a good teacher. Right? Yeah. I would actually say, I, I, I think two things that have been interesting about that specifically uh, is one, the coaches actually make you become, a, and I'm not a coach, I'm not offering any service to anyone out there, but I'm saying for me hiring coaches, I've realized number one, they hold you accountable. So I know every, tomorrow morning I have a Hebrew class, I'm like, fuck, I've got to do homework. Comparing that to my friend who's like, well, I'm going to learn Hebrew too, but my mom's going to be my teacher. And I asked him, like, how's that going? He's like, ah, you know, it hasn't really happening. But if you have a co if you have a teacher or a coach who's going to be that person, you're paying them, and they're there every week, you're going to do your homework. Uh, the second thing is that it is the student. This is the this was really surprising. It is the student's responsibility to improve their learning. So what I mean by that specifically is I had a Hebrew teacher, and I love her, uh, but I realized that like I didn't like the way she was teaching me, and I didn't really think I was growing as fast as I could. So I tried another teacher out. And then I even realized even further, I need to give the teacher feedback about how I can learn better. Meaning that I said, 
hey, when you give me verbal, I, with Hebrew, like speaking is harder for me. So I said, give me more audio comprehension homework. It's how I will learn Hebrew better because I'm noticing that's where I'm struggling. And so you have to actually, number one, get a coach that holds you accountable, but two, give them feedback to help you even learn, to improve your own learning style. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's something it. I didn't even think about because the second Hebrew teacher, I was like, man, you're way better than the first. And I just assumed that it's kind of like elementary school. You never think like, well, I want a different teacher. But now as you're 18, one, I think after people get over, eight, uh, let's say 21 or 18, I think you just assume, you stop getting teachers in general. You're like, oh, I'm done with this teacher thing. I'm done with PE thing. Uh, and then two, I don't think you think, well, is there another person that could be better at teaching me how to start a business or better at physical education, like a trainer or better at music or whatever it is? So, you know, I want to I wanna hit briefly your your business because I think your, yeah. your, your business is powerful to power other businesses. That's what we do. Which is which is great. And and I've made use of your services quite a bit. Uh uh I mean, I'll tell you what I've used. So so a, a long time ago, like 2012, Ramit Sethi, who we all know, uh, yeah. uh he advised me build an email list. And I didn't I didn't even know why. I didn't care. I didn't have any business. Um but he's like, no, just trust me, build an email list. Because if you ever have knowledge about anything and you want to share that knowledge, it's good to have people who have signed up to say, oh, I'd like to hear what he has to say or Absolutely. she has to say. And so you have this great tool that I use now, King Sumo, mm-hmm. uh, which you can find at, I guess, sumo.com or... Uh, we have three websites. There's kingsumo.com, which is giveaways. Okay. Right? So you can run giveaways to grow your email list. Sumo.com, which is actually specifically tools just to grow your email list. Oh, okay. And then AppSumo.com are promotions of other people's products uh, that small business people need. So so, so I use King Sumo and I basically give away, I, I figure out, I'll look at like my past 50 or 60 podcast guests and hmm. I will give away all of their books. I'll buy all of their books, maybe 10 editions of all of their books and I'll give them away in a contest and they get 10 to the contest. People sign up for the email list and yeah. your software kind of figures all the details out. And it's a great tool. I had uh, I, my email list has gone up seven times since I've started using King Sumo. You also so, I, you do use Sumo.com too. I'm sure okay. I do. So I have a whole team. <laughs> you have the whole Sumo. We're all up in your stuff. T- tell, tell me tell me how I use Sumo.com. Well, I'm sure I'm I do. give one suggestion for you. Okay. Um, so I run giveaways. I use KingSumo.com. I built it. I use it. I like it. Um, I find products that I already love. And like the companies want to be sponsors, but on like my Noah Kagan Presents podcast, I don't do sponsorships. It's just not a business. It's mm-hmm. like a hobby for me. I enjoy right. it. Uh, and that's not, and that's my intention. But I go to the companies that I admire and I say, hey, like Miles Apparel or Topo Standing Mats or Manal Backpacks. I'm like, give me one of your products and I'm going to run a giveaway. I'll promote it to my mailing list, 100,000 people on okdork.com. I'll promote it and you don't have to pay anything and then you'll get all this attention and I'm running a giveaway. And the giveaway then, you know, goes viral in itself. So they get more attention and then I get new subscribers. So my suggestion for you is go find products you already like or people you already know and be like, can I have your product for free? I'll promote it for free. And you just have to donate one or donate five or donate 10. Yeah, that's and even a great better, idea. you can do it with software. So like I did it with deposit photos with AppSumo. We ran that deal. And I was like, hey, can you give me 10 deposit photos for free? So what do you mean? How do you add um, uh, subscribers to your email list when you do that? So next week, here's an example. I went up and hit up TopoMat. There, mm. It's a, an amazing standing mat. It's like a massage for your feet when you do a standing desk. Mm. And I love it. So I've really liked him and I use it at the office. If I have a standing desk, I use TopoMat. So I said, hey, you go find your favorite desk equipment and get them all to donate stuff for free. And then I'll run a King Sumo giveaway giving the ultimate office, right? And then I'll take that and promote it. And then they're going to get all this attention. They give out the product and then we all get the email subscribers. I, I don't see. share them. I say, I take the script subscribers and I'm like, hey, here are the companies that were mentioned in it. You should definitely check them out. 
And they get all this attention at no cost. They just have to donate other products. And do, you, do the new subscribers stick around? How many of the new subscribers stick around? Yeah, so we're pretty analytical. We built this tool not to give away. We built this for AppSumo.com, our you know, Groupon for Geeks. We built it for that. And then we're like, we should probably sell this. It works really well. And so we did track that. So around 40, from a transactional standpoint, meaning that they spent money, around 40% of the people ended up spending money. So mm-hmm. about half the people are just going to like never do anything. But over about a year period, 40%, give or take, spent something with AppSumo. So, and then on, on OK Dork, you write great articles and have great tools uh, between, between BuzzSumo and OK Dork. And yeah, you have a bunch of different sites, but there's all these great articles and tools for people doing content marketing, for people building lists, for people trying to build their businesses. Yeah. So I was looking at, I, I think it's BuzzSumo. BuzzSumo is not ours. Oh, that's yours? <laughs> that's why we bought sumo.com. We spent a million and a half on But you it. link to it. I do. I, it's a great service. We just don't own it. And that's kind of like, there's a lot of sumo companies. That's why we bought, one of the reasons we bought sumo.com because I'm like, there's this sumo and that sumo. And it's like, no, we own sumo.com. Okay, We're well, the then sumo. credit to you for linking to it because I wouldn't have found it without reading one oh, of your articles. Oh, it's great. Yeah, BuzzSumo is a great service to find content to write about. Yeah, find content to write about if you're if you're trying to build up your email list. It's, totally. a, it's a great service. So, uh, Noah Kagan, once again, thanks for coming on my podcast, teaching us about learning and all of your experiences building your business. What's some what's some challenges? What's some challenges I should do? Oh, some challenges. You last want some time, challenges? Yeah, last time I I was the ten percent Starbucks challenge, ten percent off. Well, I was well. You can't really do the uh, proctology one that easily today. No, that I don't. <laughs> that I won't do. All right. Ooh, I've got a good. You know one. why I won't do that? Because I don't go to the doctor. And the reason is, once you go to a doctor, they're gonna they're, you're sick. <laughs> they're gonna tell you you're sick. So I don't like doing that. All right. So I'm gonna give you three. Do you okay. want three today? Yeah. These, one of them is gonna be a big one, and I'm doing this one this month. Okay. It's called the five percent challenge. Five percent challenge. Take your salary this month, whatever it is. Like let's say it's ten thousand. You have to give away five percent of it. Okay. I like it. So Good. the five percent, and I've been doing that. That's why I gave my our two doormen at my building a hundred dollars each. And basically, here's a way that to figure out where to give it to. This is what I did. I went and looked at all the services I've benefited from for free that I've never paid for. So Planned Parenthood, Wikipedia, I went on birthright trips, the JCC, um, NPR, and all these services. I'm like, why have I never paid them? I'm getting such great value. I'm, they've never asked me for anything. They never said, you have to. I was like, I should. I, I get excited that now I can go do this. So the 5% challenge. You know, it's like all these uh, websites that have kind of donation, the great websites that have donation buttons at the bottom that I usually never pay attention to. It's a good opportunity. All right, that's number one. So you're going to do it? I'm going to do it. In March? Yep. Awesome. Here's number two. Uh, no, let's say it's the end April. of March now. Let's just say April 1st it starts. Okay, perfect. Okay. I'd love to hear where you donate to. Okay. Uh, and it doesn't, and it could also be gifts to friends that like people you're taking care of. Like, hey, I just wanted to give you something. Okay. There's no expectation. You can't, it's not like, an, there's no investment. Got it. Uh, number two, text one friend, text one friend that knows you well. So it could be Pamela, it could be anyone that's a friend of yours. Ask them one thing they like about you. And ask them one thing they would like you to improve about you. Every day or once? Just once. You could do okay. this. I'm just telling you the challenges that I've done recently that I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. So All I right. do this to my buddy JR and he's like, I like that you've been more consistent and I want you to work on your dancing. Okay. <laughs> but you'll also find if you ask enough people, you'll start getting like, hey, I really wish you followed through more. And you're like, oh, okay. That's great feedback. Why did he, what kind of dancing? Why do we? I just think because I do a certain dance move. He's like, you got to make some new dance. So I've actually been taking dance classes. Uh, what kind? Like just hip hop. Uh, so like hip hop or like popping and locking or no just hip hop like a straight right. like you know like ushers playing or right. songs so I've taken two classes with this girl Aminia locally 
And uh, yeah, it's been good. I don't think I'm. We're gonna have to have a battle. I'm a popper and locker. So, Are you? Yeah, from from thirty from thirty five years ago. <laughs> See, I think you know what's interesting about that. I I think it's easy for us to feel we can dance or do comedy like drinking. So I've actually been doing my challenges and, and all of them. Like, how do I do it sober? So there's not like, oh yeah, I can dance while I drink. I'm like, no, do it sober. See how you feel, and then get comfortable doing that. Are you saying I break dance while sober? I mean, while drunk? <laughs> I was just thinking, man, it'd be awkward if we're in our studio just dancing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, here we could have like, we just do like a little dance. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's like, it's awkward. It's like, yeah, look, just, just. It's not bad. It's not bad. Just the basics. <laughs> All right. Um, here's. Do you know Jesse? Do you ever do the Jesse Itzler challenge? Uh, well, Jesse Itzler's been on my podcast, so I was living with a seal. So, uh, well, the his fruit challenge. That one's actually was a good one. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I do that actually. So do no, you? no, uh, nothing but fruit till noon. Yeah, yeah, I did that for a few months, and it was it was very good. So that one I, I did for two weeks and I was like, I kind of miss like eggs. And I kind of yeah, miss like certain things. So I kind of miss certain things, but I like doing it. There was nothing wrong with doing it. Uh, this is one I haven't done yet, but I actually, I think this is going to be a, a more interesting and more challenging one. Ask someone to use their cell phone. <laughs> That's <laughs> ask interesting. Someone, ask someone you don't know to use their cell phone. And that was like, uh, I haven't done that yet. These are ones that are like on my list of to-dos. Um, so that that's it. I mean, there's a bunch of other like smaller ones. Right, I, have, I have one for you. Yeah, yeah hit me. Uh, hug a, a total stranger, total stranger, like just someone passing you in the street yeah. for more than 30 seconds. <sighs> okay. Because, uh, you know, hugging and touching is good. And then a total stranger will make him, him or her feel better. And it's also un- awkward to ask. All right, I'll do that today. All right, I'm going to do one more for you. This one actually I did yesterday. Um, and it's not even that bad, but it's one of these things where you just start like, you do it and you're kind of like, it makes you smile. Uh, so high five a stranger. And I actually found like I was on my bike, someone else did it. And I was like, I want to high five someone. So I was biking and I just was like, I saw a guy and I was like, right here, right here. And I high fived him. And I was like, no, oh, I bet he's feeling good. I'm feeling good. So high five right. like five people in a day. All right, I'll high five you right now. All right, boom. Oh, oh we missed. <laughs> All right, thanks, Noah, once again, coming on the podcast. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network at jamesaltucher.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. Hey, thanks for listening. Listen, I have a big favor to ask you and it'll only take 30 seconds or less and it would mean a huge amount to me. If you like this podcast, please let me know. Please let the team I work with know. Please let my guests know. And you can do this easily by subscribing to the podcast. Probably the biggest favor you could do for me right now, and it's really simple. Just go to iTunes, search for The James Altucher Show, and click subscribe. Again, it will only take you 30 seconds or less, and if you subscribe now, it will really help me out a lot. Thanks again. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.